0: Welcome to Radio Tamboa, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. As believers, Christ Jesus has saved us not for this world, but for the one to come. But until the new heavens and the new earth, as believers we live in a world that is not our home and therefore we are on a journey to glory land on a journey to mount zion on a journey to the new jerusalem and this journey has several and severe challenges that call for god's grace as we seek to journey together into eternal life in his presence the Psalms of ascent communicate the same thought as we read about the travelers in israel who were called upon three times of the year to go up to Mount Jerusalem to worship the Lord. You must understand that Jerusalem as a city is built on a hill and surrounded by several hills of different heights. So no matter where you come from, whichever direction you come from, to go to Jerusalem you must climb. So what we read in what is called the Psalms of Ascent, is that believers would be ascending to Jerusalem as they sang these psalms or these songs, and that's why they are called psalms of ascent. We find them in psalms 120 all the way to 134, which is 15 psalms in number. Songs sung by God's people three times of the year when they were called or expected to go to Jerusalem at God's tabernacle to worship him. These songs would be sung as individuals left their homes, their villages, their towns, met one another at different junctions, and went as a crowd or a group towards Jerusalem while preparing their hearts and minds for worship through the singing of these songs. These songs reminded them of God's faithfulness in the past, their current troubles in the present, that pointed to the reality of pain and death in a broken world, and therefore the need to go to God's presence for rest, to God's presence for his peace, or what the Bible calls shalom, a state of wellness and a state of wholeness. As they sang these songs, they looked back into the past and praised God for the great things he had done. They looked around and trusted him for the present, They looked forward into the future and hoped in a God of faithfulness who would help them and deliver them from all their trials on the journey into God's presence. On their way to the Jewish feasts in Jerusalem, these pilgrims flowed from different corners of the world, and they would be singing these psalms of ascent or these songs as they prepared themselves for worship. Even though these psalms were written long ago, by people living in different times and places, we must know that the message that they communicated is not different from what we as believers need today. In these songs, they expressed the same emotions that we feel today. They discussed and rehearsed the same challenges they are going through. They looked forward to being in God's presence just like we as well long which is why these psalms communicate a timely and relevant message for you and me. Some people think that they were called psalms of ascent because they were sung by people who were literally climbing up to Jerusalem. But some other Bible commentators have argued that they could have been called psalms of ascent because they themselves communicate an upward motion As you look at them through Psalms 120 all the way to 134, you notice that they communicate some kind of progression in their message. For instance, Psalms 120 is a psalm of trouble. It begins by rehearsing the challenges of the believer on his way into God's presence. You come to Psalm 121, and it's a psalm of trust. It paints a picture of a believer who is waiting on the Lord, who is depending on God for his deliverance, for his provisions, for his protection, and ultimately for his preservation. You come to Psalm 122, and it's a psalm of triumph. The psalmist has arrived at God's house, and he celebrates God's goodness and grace as he rehearses what God has done and what God continues to do in his life. So there you have it. While these psalms are 15 in number, but they are categorized in five groups, and each group has three psalms, a psalm of trouble, a psalm of trust, and a psalm of triumph. And over the coming weeks, we will be rehearsing these psalms and looking at how they build up to one another but all communicating a message of what the believer's journey looks like as he leaves the sinful and broken world with his eyes aimed at the coming new world, the heavenly Jerusalem, that Christ has prepared for all those who have trusted in him. These psalms will paint a picture of a broken world from which everyone must flee toward God for a better world and the good things that God has to offer. We learn so many things from these Psalms on what the believer's life looks like, how believers are supposed to live in a foreign world with eyes lifted up to the cross, but even more so looking forward to the crown that will be given to all those that believe. And so today we open up with Psalm 120. And if we follow the order that I mentioned, it would mean that Psalm 120 being the first one is a Psalm of Trouble. In this psalm, we see the psalmist expressing himself, his challenges, his problems, and crying out to God for deliverance. It begins with the psalmist who is still at home. He has not begun his journey to go into God's presence, where God's peace and power are to be found. He lives in a faraway country, a hostile territory but with a heart that is dissatisfied with where he is, and therefore he expresses his longing for the presence of God. Let's read Psalms 120 and hear what it says, so that we can learn from him and be able to sing our way to heaven as well. So the psalmist writes and says, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips." from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? What more shall be done to you, deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows, with glowing cores of the bloom tree. Woe unto me, that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kidar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And this is the message of the psalmist to all of us living across different time periods, living in a broken world, yet longing for peace and shalom in the new home that God has prepared for us. Now, as we look through this psalm, not much is really known about the author or the background of the psalm. We do not know how or when it was written or who actually wrote it. But as we look at the message of this psalm, at least one thing stands out very clearly. That the psalmist was in great distress. He called out to God for deliverance and God answered him. So there are three things that we find here right in the very first verse as we introduce this psalm. That there is great distress that God's people are going through as they prepare for their journey to Jerusalem. Number two. Is that their life is one of crying out to God for his deliverance and rescue from the distress they are going through. And number three is that God answered his prayer just as God answers the prayers of believers when they cry out to him. So what would I call the theme of this psalm? I would call Psalm 120 the theme deliverance from distress caused by deceitful tongues. You have three D's there deliverance distress and deceitful tongues when you bring these together this is really what the psalm is about now let's begin to look at the passages in detail of what psalm 120 is really about the psalmist begins by saying that i cried out to the lord in my distress and he answered me now there are two ways in which we could understand that first statement number one It could be that this is a summary statement that the psalmist begins by telling us about what God did before he begins to unpack the details of what happened. So he begins by telling us how the whole scenario unfolded. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord and he answered me. Then beginning from verse 2, He starts to tell us the kind of distress he was in and why it was necessary for him to pray and for God to answer. So verse 1 could be our summary statement for the whole psalm. And then verses 2 to 7 begins to unpack the details of what the psalmist is trying to communicate. But there is also another way in which we could understand this. It could mean also, That the psalmist cried out to the Lord in the past when he had distress, and God answered him. And now in the present, he is experiencing another kind of distress. He remembers that in the past he had had the similar situation, prayed to the Lord, and the Lord had answered him. And on account of God's faithfulness, on account of this confidence and consolation in a God who answers prayer, he now cries out to God again, and God delivers him. Many times when we are faced with problems, we quickly remember what happened in the past, what God did when we were in a certain situation, and by looking back in the past, we gain confidence and strength that God who has answered us before can answer us again in our current circumstances. So we get the courage to pray today, based on what happened in the past it is possible that this is what the psalmist is going through that he remembers that god had answered his prayer in the past and on the basis of that confidence he begins from verse 2 to 7 to describe what he's going through and he hopes that the same god will see him through now we have a couple questions before we move forward as we reflect on verse 1. when we find ourselves in great distress Whether it is due to our own doing or that of others, the question is, where do we go? Where do we turn? The psalmist tells us that he prayed to the Lord when he found himself in distress. Is that the same thing that you do? When you are in trouble, what do you do? Do you worry? Do you complain? Do you take it out on others? Or do you come to the Lord and pray? As you can imagine... So many people resort to different things or to different responses when they find themselves in crisis. For instance, some people will blaspheme God and curse him in their hearts. We see that in the book of Job when his wife is asking him why he still holds on to God even after all the disaster that has come upon him. And what is the wife's advice? Curse God and die. But number two, we find others who give up on their Christian faith. They conclude that there is no God. Otherwise, why would they be having problems if there is God? Have you heard of some people who ask questions like, if there is a good God, why do we have suffering in the world? And then, essentially, they conclude that since there are problems in their lives or in the world around them, it simply means that God does not exist. And therefore, they turn their backs on the Christian faith and walk away. But we also have, number three, people who respond by hardening their hearts. When disastrous times come upon them, instead of crying out to the Lord to deliver them, they harden their hearts like Pharaoh did. They get harder than they were before. But number four, we have those who respond by plunging themselves into deeper sin, Instead of crying out to the Lord to deliver them, they commit many more sins to try to deliver themselves out of the situation that they are going through. But what we find in verse 1 of Psalm 120 is that the psalmist, together with God's people, would have reminded us that when we find ourselves in trouble, the best way to respond to trouble and disaster is to pray, not to give up, not to blaspheme, Not to sin more out of frustration, not to harden our hearts, but to look to the Lord in prayer. And that's why the psalmist says, I called out to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. Believers are called upon to pray. We live in a world that is broken, that often will bring challenges and trials and tribulations to us. And when we find ourselves in such a crisis, we are challenged and called upon to pray. And this is what we see the psalmist do, that we are to call upon the Lord in times of trouble. That we are to look back in the past on our experience of God's faithfulness. And God's faithfulness in the past becomes our foundation for trust in the present and in the future. There is a hymn I love which says that, Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. That as we look back in the past and see what God has done, we gather the courage to trust him even in the present. And this is what we see the psalmist doing. He looks at how God delivered him from his distress in the past, and he gains confidence to trust him for the present. Okay, so how about verses 2 to verse 7? What is the psalmist saying, at and what can we learn from him as we travel our own journey into God's presence? Well, the psalmist begins to narrate the current troubles that he is going through. And one of the things he mentions is an attack that he has received from men with deceitful tongues. That in his lifetime, he had people who had been speaking against him. Maybe they had blackmailed him. Maybe they had lied against him. And if you have ever had people who lie against you, you understand the pain of betrayal. You understand what it means to be innocent, and yet the world around you thinks you are guilty, or because there is somebody who knowingly chooses to speak ill of you. You feel betrayed, you feel hated, you feel misunderstood, you feel like there is nobody you can trust or nobody who trusts you, and you don't know what to do. So the psalmist cries out to God to deliver him from lying lips and from the def- deceitful tongues. And what you have here, moving on from verses 3, is the psalmist declaring God's judgment on those who speak lies and who live in deceit. It is as though the psalmist understands God's plan, God's will for believers as one of protecting them and helping them, and God's will for non-believers as one of bringing them to account and to judgment. And so the psalmist stands and begins to describe the kind of judgment that falls upon people who are deceitful or who stand in sharp contrast to the believers. He pronounces God's judgment which he likens to a warrior's sharp arrows and which he likens to growing cores of fire as from a broom tree. A broom tree is the kind of tree that burns very slow but burns longer. So by the psalmist using that illustration, he is essentially saying that God's judgment will come upon those who are deceitful and it will be hotter and it will be much longer. They will suffer much more because of what they have done he sounds out a warning to all those who stand against god's people and as we well know even in the new testament the bible talks about the judgment that awaits all those that oppose god's people that persecute god's people on account of their faith that they will not escape the judging hand of god If you are the kind who has not trusted Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord, and you are the kind who stands in opposition to God's people, be very careful because you will not escape God's judgment. And this is what we see the psalmist pronouncing here. But even more so before we come to a close, verses 5 to 7 are very, very important for us as believers. In these verses, We see the psalmist reminding us of the kind of, of the kind of state in which he lives. He describes his life and context as one that is far away from God and one that is far away from God's people. He laments in verses five and seven and he says, woe to me for I sojourn in Meshech and I dwell in the tents of Kedah. Too long I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace. But when I speak peace, they are for war. Now, the psalmist mentions two places around Israel, Meshech and Kedah. And these were places that were known for violence and hostile people. Meshek was far to the north of Israel in present-day Turkey. While Kedah is a place to the far south of Israel in the Arabian desert, Now you notice that the psalmist says he dwells there, but he cannot dwell in places that are totally opposite in the, in terms of direction from one another. So what basically he's saying is that the kind of life he lives resembles the kind of lives that are lived in these two opposite places where there is great violence and hostility. The psalmist is aware that he lives in a world of violence and hostility, especially because he lives far away from God. He is dissatisfied with the kind of life that he is living. He pronounces himself as a man of peace who is living in a world that is violent and against everything that peace stands for. And basically what he tells us is that he paints a picture of the kind of sinful world in which you and I live. That ours is a world that is violent, that is hostile, that is not for peace, that is always the opposite of everything that God's peace and God's goodness stands for. And as believers, for us to long for God's presence, we must first of all be dissatisfied with where we live as we see the psalmist crying out. He is crying out. He feels isolated from God's presence and peace. He feels ineffective in his current context. He is unable to convince the violent people around him to pursue peace. And therefore he longs for God's presence, where God's peace is found. No wonder they would have left their homes in this kind of dissatisfaction, hungry and longing for the moment they would arrive in Jerusalem, where they would be in God's presence, where God's peace would be found. What is the lesson for you and I? That God's presence can only be hungered for by people who are dissatisfied with the violent and hostile world in which they live. If you are still in love with the things of the world, it will be very hard for you to be hungry for the presence of God. The journey to God's presence begins with a renunciation of evil and a hunger for God's presence. We must remember that the challenges of a sinful world remind us that this world is not home and therefore as travelers we long for a new city, a new Jerusalem where God is calling us to bask in his presence. We must remember that this world will put us in great distress and disasters because it is not our home. And in this we must remember that this world has already hated our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And if this world was not afraid to give him violence and hostility, how much more we need to do this to us. Jesus in all was an example of what it means to live in a sinful and broken world that truly hates you, and yet keep your eye and perspective on heaven where God has promised his peace and his praises. Jesus himself suffered what you and I are going through. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 reminds us that when they held their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That Jesus himself went through what you have gone through. And instead of cursing his enemies, he actually prayed for their forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, he prayed. And as believers, we are to adopt the same attitude as we remember that this world is not home and we live as travelers who are passing through with our eye focused on the cross and the crown that awaits us. With our hearts hungry for God's peace and presence that are only found in God's city. And that is why God's people would leave their places, their villages, their towns three times of the year. To come and bask in God's presence where they would find the peace that only God can give. The shalom that is not found in the violent and hostile world that we live in. God's people remain a people on a journey. A people leaving a broken world behind them and headed for glory land where God's reward and crown is found. The world behind me, the cross and the crown before me. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back though none go with me still i will follow though none will go with me still i will hang in there And as I continue my journey to the new Jerusalem, to my heavenly home, I will remember that God is on my side, that God is calling me out of a world of sin and danger into a home of peace and his presence. That is what the Psalms of Ascent were about my friends. That is what they communicate to each one of us today. As believers living in a broken world, yet longing for God's peace and presence, we journey in prayer, we journey in communion. We journey in fellowship as we encourage one another. The world behind us, the cross and the crown before us is the song of every believer. What did you do when you find yourself in great distress like the psalmist? I called out to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. May you call out to the Lord and I assure you that God who answered the psalmist still answers prayer today and he will be there to meet you at your very point of need. May the Lord bless you abundantly. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.